Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Connor McGilligan, your multimedia producer. And I'm delighted to be joined by your Manchester City writer as well, Simon Ashkowski. How are you doing, Si? You all right? Yeah, good, Connor. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. We've got a lot to talk about today, haven't we? Yeah, football's back. <laughs> it's back. At last, not the Premier League yet, but we'll get on to that yeah. in three. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we've had the Women's World Cup as well to, to keep us going for... For the summer. We have indeed. It. Yeah, it's been decent. But um, yeah, obviously it was a nice day at Wembley the other day. City in the Community Shield. But before that, there's a transfer that came to Manchester City, which you've been asked about for it the past. It finally happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think on the last pod, we talked about the um, the private jets from Leipzig that everyone was tracking that wasn't him. Um, but then a few days later, it was all sorted. And yeah, Josco Guardiol joining uh, Man City for £78 million, pounds, uh, which makes him the second most expensive defender after Harry Maguire. So, um, uh, yeah, so obviously big big relief for City to get over the line. I know fans have been very frustrated, or not some some frustrations over um, not, not getting loads done in the window, and obviously Guardiola has kind of dragged on and on. Um, but there was, like we've been saying for a long time, it... People always thought that it would get done and it has got done in time for the season. Um, and, you know, he started pre-season. He didn't join City, but he started it with Leipzig. So he's obviously fit. It's not like he'll take some time to to get up to speed. Um, so he was straight into training with City. And yeah, he's, you know, available for the, um, the start of the Premier League, which is what they would want. These flight tracker things have all got a bit weird nowadays, haven't they? They are everywhere. Yeah. I would like to think it was kind of like desperation rather than <laughs> desperation at not getting much done in the window rather than anything else. Um, always remember the um, there was a flight tracker when City was signing Danny Alves, I think in Pep's second summer, oh. and um, people were tracking him coming over to Manchester, and then he had he literally had like a change of mind on the flight and went to PSG instead. It was like <laughs> oh, going God. to Manchester and then diverted. It was like, it's oh, like where's no. he going? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People waiting for him at Manchester airport and he never arrived. Um, so yeah, I tend, try not to get involved in uh, any flights being tracked, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, City have, have got their, got their man now. And I think fans have got to be satisfied with that. I mean, with what you've seen with Josco Guardiola in the World Cup and in general, I mean, he's only, what, is he 21, 22 years of age? I mean, he's he looks very, very competent. It looks like he'd fit into this city side quite seamlessly, doesn't he? Yeah, 21. Um, and he was terrific at the World Cup. He really made a name for himself. Um, he kind of got skinned by Messi, um, which... He's not the first defender to to get done by that, and and similarly in um, the Champions League, you know, City played Leipzig, and he was terrific in that first leg. Uh, kind of kept Hartland quiet all game, and uh, I think he ended up. Did he jump on Diaz's shoulders <laughs> to um, to score? And then um, obviously the second leg, seven nil, uh, didn't quite do as well. But you know, huge talent, um, and he can play centre-back, he can play kind of left-back, he can play left-centre-back on that three, which City are doing a bit more of now. Um, he can play kind of a bit like Kovacic, can his fellow Croatian, can sort of play balls through the lines, which City always likes. So it, it's, I wouldn't say it's an upgraded Laporte, but it, it's that kind of vein. And obviously 21, he's, he's here for a long time. Yeah, and they've invested as well into his future. I mean, 78 million, it's... 
It's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. And City have spent a hell of a lot on centre-backs. But it was centre-backs that kind of won them the treble last season. And if you're going to, you know, if it's a strength, why not make it even stronger? Um, So, you know, I I think it kind of makes sense from, from that point of view. And also there were times, plenty of times in the second half of last season when they played four centre-backs sort of in the starting 11. So if you're playing four centre-backs, you need at least six, seven in your squad to um, to be able to cope with any injuries or anything like that. Um, you know, Nathan Ake wasn't fit enough for the Community Shield after uh, getting injured on tour. So, you know, it, it does add to add to that. So, yeah, it, it looks like a really good signing and um, I think he will quickly make his mark. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really top signing. But if we just transition quickly to Wembley, we've not spoken about it yet. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the Community Shield overall, side? Is it a glorified friendly or is does it mean something? What do you think? Yeah, it's um, it's difficult and sort of Pep has always kind of said, oh yeah, it counts, it counts and, and it's a trophy and I remember when they won, they won it in 2018 and then they obviously won the league, the Carabao and the FA Cup and he was very keen to count it as four trophies won. <laughs> but at the same time, for at least the last three years, they've kind of gone into it undercooked. It's been used as a game to get fitness back in the legs rather than kind of, a, you know, going for it full throttle as they would um, a Champions League final or something. And you saw that with like Erling Haaland came off after an hour. It's like, would you do that if it was nil-nil against Arsenal in the league? I don't think you would. So Arsenal fans were bantering him though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- never um, going to score a goal again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, um, yeah, he, he didn't get, I think his XG was 0.00, so not... <laughs> that not, is impressive. Not the best, um, but kind of a, a symbol of how little service he had. Um, I think it would have been nice for City to win. I think Arsenal needed it needed to win it far more than City did in terms of kind of where they are in the in the rivalry. Because like City have lost, but no one's saying, well, they're not going to win the league now. They're still kind of favourites. People know to expect. And, you know, Arsenal gave them a game, but yeah, can Arsenal kind of match them over 38 games? Can anyone match them? Maybe. But I don't think there's any kind of worrying signs from the community shield. Yeah, if City are looking at it and thinking... That's a psychological edge. I mean, you heard Kevin yeah. Coyner afterwards and he was almost just like, he was like flippant about it, wasn't he? He was just not really bothered. And I think it's, yeah. in, it's interesting how... It, it is great to have De Bruyne just being flippant at any kind of, <laughs> any moment going. It's almost like knocked off by it all, wasn't Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Because he was asked like, you know, how it felt when the goal went in and the the answer isn't uh, broadcastable. But it was just <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly yeah. what you wanted yeah. to... Go um, check that out if you Yeah, yeah. Very... Uh, very straight to the point. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously City went there to win the game and they didn't win the game. Um, but they also used it as part of their preparations for getting ready Definitely. for the season. Mm, Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, the big talking point going into the game was the Wembley boycott, which obviously we know a lot of City fans were encouraged to not travel to Wembley because of the, the timing. Um I think it was the first time in history it had ever been it had ever been played at that time, I believe. And it was a lot of City fans sort of congregated at um, the Band on the Wall pub as well, which we'll get onto in a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, the atmosphere down there, we were just talking a little bit off air. It was maybe a little bit different to what you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, it was 
completely different from uh, the start of June when City were there for the FA Cup final and obviously very different from, from Istanbul. Um, I, I think, you know, part of the boycott was, you know, they weren't having a go at any fans that bought tickets who went down to watch it. And the fact that so many season ticket holders stayed away meant that there was the chance for people who don't normally go to games um, to to go um, or people who go but don't normally say take the families to go and take that. So that there were a lot of families there. Um, there were a lot of international fans um, there kind of attending their first um, first Wembley. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, there were very few, very few chants, songs heard throughout the 90 minutes, really. Um, it was people just kind of taking in, taking in the game, you know, whereas say Istanbul, you sort of couldn't move without hearing rhythm as a dancer or anything. They were just like, the. I think the only player chant was for Kevin De Bruyne when he was warming up as a sub. Yeah, um, the generic one. Yeah, or like <laughs> a, a bit of John Stones. But, you know, that is um, what kind of you would expect when there's people there who it's the first time or families and, you know, they're not going to get involved in in the singing that sort of the, the normal fans who go to those away games um, or the neutral games would. So, I mean, I saw a bit of spark, uh, a bit of chat saying the fans didn't give the team the spark that they needed and they didn't kind of like raise them. And, and maybe that was true, but then again, it doesn't, it's a game where it doesn't really matter if you lose. And that's partly why it was chosen to boycott the fixture because no one really cares. Sort of if nice you, if you win, but irrelevant if yeah, you lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't think the players were, were lifted at all by the crowd, but um, the crowd went, there was, it, it, it's a, it's impressive from City to sell out so many tickets when so many stayed away. And those people who were there for the first time or whatever will probably go again and again and again. And that's how fan bases build. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't the normal supporter base, but I think there were there were kind of positives from both ends of the, you know, the fans that were there and the fans that weren't. Yeah, it seemed quite overall as well. You didn't. It yeah, was, it was like a Man City thing, was it? it was no, like, no. It, it's difficult because where we were in the press box, we were sort of very firmly in the Man City end, so you can't hear the Arsenal section as much as the um, the City end. But um, yeah, Arsenal weren't weren't that. It, I, again, it had the feel of a friendly more than a final. Yeah. I would say, sort of both the, on the pitch and around it. Right, guys, we're going to break there um, and we're going to be back in just a second for part two where we go into the specifics of the Manchester City Arsenal game. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to part two of the Talking City podcast. Well, there's a lot to get into. We're going to talk about the actual game now, not everything circulating around it. Um, I found it extremely interesting that Josko Gavadiol was down in London, um, but I found it even more interesting that João Cancelo didn't join the team. Obviously, interest from Barcelona. The pre-season, obviously, he was... It felt like he was not integral, but he was definitely a big part of it. Obviously, rumours speculating consistently, but him not being there was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and I asked Pep about it afterwards and said, is he in your plans for the season? And he just 
completely swerved it and just said, oh, he wasn't here today. He had to be with his family, um, which, yeah, kind of doesn't stop any any of the idea of what we already kind of know that, yeah, he's not going to be part of the plans for the season. Um, he, you, you're absolutely right. He did play a pretty big part on tour, um, played in the games. I think that was kind of City keeping him in the shot window and saying, look, he's a good player. He can... He can do this, but yeah, I, I would still be really, really surprised if he if he stays at, at City. And if he does, I can't see him really playing because we talked about Guardiola coming in. There's so many players that are ahead of him in the in the pecking order after how he sort of how spectacularly fell down the pecking order and out with fell out with the manager um, last season. It doesn't feel like there's a way back in. And I know Barcelona, Barcelona are interested in both him and Bernardo Silva. Um, it feels like Barcelona are not going to get close to, you know, an acceptable bid for Bernardo Silva, but there might be something to be done with Cancelo before the window's out. Because once again, it's, it's like speculative when we think about like Kyle Walker as well, but on that right-hand side, if you were to lose Kyle Walker, let's say, yeah, João Cancelo almost would be that rotation option wouldn't he he would be um but i think with Vardiol coming in and sort of being able to play on the left um i kind of think that opens up the possibility more for kind of stones and akanji to play on that right side as well as rico lewis so again i think you've probably got three players ahead of cancelo at right back even if walker were to walker were to go and not sure Walker's going to go either. So, um, so yeah, I, I just I can't see a way into the into the team for him. And we saw last season, or you know what happened last season was he was really unhappy because he wasn't playing every week. Um, so, you know, there are so many players ahead of him; he's not going to play anywhere near any week at City. So he he needs to go somewhere where where he will. As a slight tangent before we get on to the game, I've just thought of this now. They can't lose Carl Walker, can they? <laughs> no, I mean, Bayern were really confident earlier in the summer and it kind of felt like, because City went on tour and it was going to be, well, it is Walker going on tour and he did, but then Bayern were there and they played them in Tokyo and it, it felt almost like, you know, that was the perfect handover if Captain. if he was going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, he could join Bayern and he'd go with City's blessing. Um you know, we saw the pictures of him out with Guardiola for dinner on Friday night. City are doing everything they can to to keep him. And and the longer, you know, City and Bayern were negotiating for him on tour. And they've they've still not come to any kind of agreement, which kind of tells you um yeah, that that not much is much is happening. So Bayern have given Walker a very attractive offer and he has been tempted by it. The longer it goes on, I would be surprised. You know, I'd be surprised if Walker were to leave like in the last week of window or once the Premier League has started. I would think summer was the perfect time to do it and then get bedded in at Bayern and a new challenge and get your house and everything sorted over there. Um, whereas, and like you say, he's been captain at City and the leadership vote is coming up and Gundogan's left. So, you know, Walker could be could be higher up, could be captain for more games um, and will be a more kind of a bigger figure in the dressing room. So, yeah, it, it it's 
it's really encouraging for City that he's still there and you look at how he was like celebrating the goal on Sunday and he's he's still massively committed to them. Yes, it does feel like obviously with I mean, Bernardo potentially going, but yeah. Mares, Gundogan, and then if he was to go, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, can City replace the quality? Likely. But it is that off the field experience and leadership, isn't it? And by all accounts, he's very important behind the scenes. Yeah, it is, it is. And, um, you know, he he was partly tempted by Bayern because he was upset not starting the Champions League final. And, you know, City, there was sort of a, a period of a few months where they played well without him and then they didn't need him for the Champions League final. But then you look back to the semi when he was picked to go up against Vinicius and did so well. Um, you know, there's going to be plenty of games where he is needed and his skills are so unique. Um, I don't really think they'd be able to, like, replace him. There's not really anyone in the squad that can do what he does. Um, and looking around in European world football, there's not really too many. Um, and someone who's had, what, seven, six, seven years of coaching under Guardiola, uh, you know, Pep doesn't need to think about what he what Walker will do because Walker knows already. So it will be a huge, huge loss for City if he goes. But, you know, there's certainly a lot more encouragement that he will stay than there was maybe a month or two ago. That's positive, I think. Um, the the one replacement that's come in probably was like for like, and it was Kovacic for Gundogan. Um, I thought it looked all right. I thought it's, it, once again, it's a seamless transition, really. Tidy in possession, um, he just looked like a City player already, didn't he? I mean, your play yeah. ratings, you gave him a 7 out of 10 as well. So he yeah. Been... yeah, he was decent. He was, um, I tell you what, he was heavily marked. He was like, Arsenal were on him. Arsenal, yeah, yeah, they were really keen to to stop. What I've been impressed with um, from him so far is kind of his, his way he can move between the 8 and the 6 and sort of help Rodri out and also kind of, because Rodri always gets the ball from Edison or from the keeper. Um but Kovacic has been able to do that sort of simply and that eases the pressure on Rodri and maybe stops people targeting Rodri so much if they know that he's not always the one that's going to go back and kind of start the play. Um, but yeah, he's kind of a, a different player to Gundogan but will sort of occupy the same space. Um, and he already looks to be ahead of, say, Calvin Phillips in the six and the eight role, um, which, you know, maybe not that unexpected because he's a really good player. Um, but, yeah, not not great for Phillips, probably, if someone else has come in and sort of kept him where he is in the pecking order, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to be another side to... Calvin Phillips documentary, isn't it? There's got to be a, a second series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it'd be interesting because obviously Phillips has made so much about wanting to stay at City and wanting to prove himself this this season. I didn't really think he showed that on tour in the performances and certainly kind of he, he wasn't as good as Kovacic, basically, or Rodri. Um, so it will be interesting to see what, what happens because he, he's so desperate to make it and he's a really sort of popular part of the squad but if you're not if there's little chance that you're going to get minutes and you know the first month of the season happens and you don't get those minutes are you maybe looking for a move away yeah um we don't include penalties in this podcast uh but kevin de bruyne coming on again and uh, I mean, he was just fantastic, wasn't he, when he came on? He was just a shining light. And as I say, you take away that 
you know, that little mishap, the penalty, and he was it was a top performance from him. Yeah, well, I think with um, the first, it was really weird because the first half, City, they kind of looked. It, it was it was a it was a poor game. I thought um, at half time, I was thinking, what on earth are we going to write here? Um, but City looked light in midfield and attack. You know, Grealish and Bernardo were pretty quiet. Haaland didn't get any service at all. Um, and th- that kind of, you know, whereas, again, the last time they were at Wembley, Gundogan and De Bruyne sort of tore United apart and it was the midfield that really kept, w- won the game, yeah. Um, with Kovacic and with... Um, I can't even remember who was in midfield with them. Uh, but it was... Um, they just... La- it was Alvarez. Um, oh, it was. It was Alvarez. They just kind of lacked that punch. Um, and you're kind of thinking, have City replaced Gundogan? Have they sort of replaced Mahrez? Have are, are those concerns there? And then the second half, De Bruyne and Foden came on and ran the game from those positions. And it was like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> so if, if those two play, they're probably all right then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he... And it was good for City because... He, De Bruyne uh, snapped his hamstring in the Champions League final and it was like, will he be ready for the start of the season? Even if he is, will he, what condition will he be in? He'd not played any of the tour games um, and then didn't start the Community Shield, obviously. So it was like, right, what condition is he in? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he obviously still getting there uh, with his conditioning. But like you say, he, he ran the game and he was the best player as soon as he came on the pitch and... Him and Foden were just too good for us. Yeah, it's with De Bruyne, you kind of expect it, don't you? Um, obviously, you say with like the, the snapped hand, hamstring, it was a serious problem, and you wondered if he was going to be at that same level, you know, in the Arsenal game. But one person we spoke about off air was Phil Foden. You know, he did come on, and, yeah. and you're quite right, he was he was fantastic, really, but. It's a coming of age season for him. I mean, we were just talking in football terms now, 23 years old isn't young, which is ridiculous. In lifestyle terms, it is very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it for England, we we're just speaking and it's not really happened for him. He's not starting every game. It's, there's not a real focus on Phil Foden. And this generational talent, which we all expect still, it's almost got to come through at some point at City and with the departures that they've had, it's, it's, it's all, I feel like this season it's a lot on Phil Foden isn't it it's like there's been a lot moulded around him and a lot spoken and the, you know, the hype around him but it's like right Phil it's, it's up to you now mate it, it, it is um, it's also on kind of Guardiola to play him um, you know it's felt for a while like Foden's 95% of the way there and he when City didn't have a proper number nine he was used as a forward because he's kind of got some of the best characteristics for playing up front. and But we've always thought he's going to move to the middle, he's going to move to the middle, and Pep said that, and Phil said that, and and it felt like this season was the one, having come on in the Champions League final there for De Bruyne and played pretty well, and then played there in all the summer tour games. And then um, the press conference on Friday, Guardiola was asked about it and said, well, he still needs to improve loads defensively if he's going to play in the middle, and you thought... Right. <laughs> and then the team came out for Wembley and he wasn't in the team and you're like, oh no, are we going to have another kind of, another year of like, why isn't Foden in the team? Because, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And obviously, like, he can do things that no one else can. And when he came on that spin away from Thomas Partey and sort of making the, the first goal is like, that is exactly what you want. Um, but he's just not, we need to see that and we need to see him play there. And with no replacement for Mahrez yet, you wonder whether Foden might be used right wing a, a bit because, um, again, he's he's one of the better players in attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it, we're just waiting for that run of games where he confirms his place in the City side. And as soon as he does that, there's kind of no option for Southgate but to but to pick him for England, really, because he, he is such a talent, but he just can't seem to quite crack that, that City team. And it's mad because when City played Dortmund in the Champions League in 2021, like Foden ran the games and Foden was like, looked a better player than Erling Haaland, but obviously you wouldn't say that now, but he's kind of, I feel like he's on that level where he's got that talent. He's just not, not showing it or not being given the opportunities maybe to show it. Mm, yeah, it's so interesting when you talk about the defensive side of the game because you feel like any other top side in Europe, he'd be starting week in, week out, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's the Guardiola thing, isn't it, where there's so many parts to the game that you have to get absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, we're at that thing again where earlier on in his career, everyone was like, why didn't he go on loan? Why didn't he go on loan? And it was like, Guardiola's got this plan for him and we'll play him when he's ready. And then he played him and it oh right well of course it makes sense um but we're kind of at that point now though because you know you've said it he's not young like he's he's been in that first team squad for six years so it really is time for him to kick on and this be his his year really mm. and just to finish on uh the game side of things from um the community shield cole palmer we're talking yeah. about breakout seasons, yeah. potentially, or, yeah. or is it the weight of expectation again? What, where are we looking at Cole Palmer? What are we thinking about in the season? Yeah, it was funny because um, Foden and De Bruyne kind of combined and played Palmer in like on the edge of the box, and it was like prime Morris territory, and Palmer just kind of like it was a bit hesitant, and his shot got blocked for a corner, and it was like right, and then two minutes later, same position, bends it into the top corner, and it's like there's a player um similarly with Foden Palmer a few years ago looked like he was coming through amazingly well um and then he got some niggling injuries and he didn't really make the most of his opportunities last season so City were planning to send him on loan this summer well this season um he still might go out but they're still working out what to do with Replacing Mares, Palmer is probably like the most similar to Mares you can get, certainly in the current squad. But um, he's he really is a good player. He's obviously had the high of winning the um, the under twenty one Euros this summer. So yeah, he's feeling good. But but he said it after the game because he was asked about his future. Like he wants to play, he wants to play. So you know if City can give him I don't know fifteen starts, thirty games, then that. Sounds pretty good, but if it's going to be a case of a few starts in the Carabao and that's it, I think he'd rather be elsewhere because you've got teams like Brighton who've shown interest in him and loads of good teams want him and would play him regularly. So I think you'd rather go there if you're not going to get the minutes at, at City. 
Right, guys, we're going to break there um, and join us in uh, Act 3, where we'll be discussing City's first game of the Premier League season against Burnley. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast and we're going to be talking the Premier League now. We've moved on from that glorified friendly and uh, we are going to be discussing Burnley and Vincent Company on Friday night, Si. Um, excited for this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like going to Burnley. Um, I was very disappointed not to you be mean, able to. Have you been genuine there? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Turf Moor is great. It's a great stadium. Um, the view from the press box, very boringly, is 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 great. Um, but it's a ground where like the home team gets on you, and uh, it, it's a real test. And I absolutely hate the phrase "under the lights," but um, City, yeah, they rarely get to play on a, a Friday or a Monday. But starting off the Premier League um, is obviously a nice thing, and it should be a really good test against. Um, a team who, yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of links to to City Vincent Company there, and James Trafford has just gone there, um, where he will be competing for the number one spot with Aaron Murich, who was at City as well. So, um, it, it's a yeah, it's a great away, yeah, and not just because it's close to my house. So. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, they obviously City played them in the cup last season, five nil, but it. I don't know. It obviously, City went away with it in the the, the second half, really. But they Burnley, were, Burnley were great. They, first were, half. they were very competitive. Yeah, weren't they, yeah, in that yeah. First half. It was in that spell when City were like winning every game um, in their sort of like twenty six match unbeaten run or whatever when they won twenty two. Um, th- those numbers are probably wrong, but who cares? Um, I yeah and and you know loads of those teams were Premier League and Champions League teams. Burnley gave them a bigger scare than most of the teams they faced at that time. It was which is crazy when you see a five 0 Yeah, it? yeah, but it it was that first kind of twenty thirty minutes they were really under the cosh and then they kind of got the momentum and Haaland scored three I think and they they ran away with it. But um, but and that is the danger of kind of promoted sides as well because Burnley have had a year where they're used to winning every week and they are used to kind of turf more being a place where they they are in control of the game. So the players will be bang up for it and used to winning. The fans will be bang up for it and, and City have got to kind of put that to one side and just kind of do their, do their job and sort of, yeah, stem the, the momentum that Burnley have got really. Taylor Howard-Bellis is, <clears throat> was also a, a key part of, of the side last year. Obviously, it was Ian Matson all over from Chelsea, Nathan Teller, but Taylor Howell Bellis was, was a massive part of that side, and him not being there as of yet could be a huge impact yeah. on Burnley's side. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there were a few loans that they, they haven't got, um, but, you know, company is a guy who is getting a very good reputation for, for the coaching that he, that he does. Obviously, he's a huge name. He's got a statue outside the Etihad from his from his playing days, but he he really wants to be a um, a you know a top coach. And I I interviewed him a few months ago, and he was picking up a he was being inducted into the the Hall of Fame for the Football Museum as a as a player. But they were kind of like, we may well be inducting you again as a coach in in future. And he was talking about Burnley's promotion, but 
talking about kind of a um, a cup final defeat that he'd suffered the year before at Anderlecht and how that had kind of shaped him and fueled him. And it was kind of, you know, even in, even when he was celebrating the good moments, he was kind of remembering those times when they, they weren't as good. And I think someone like that is on, on the right path because they're not, they're not going to get carried away by the success that they've had. And company will be the first one that, you know, great. They've made it back to the Premier League, but he won't be congratulating himself and saying, all right, well, whatever comes next is a bonus. He will make it his mission to make sure they stay up. And previously under Sean Dyche, Burnley teams kind of stayed up by doing the majority of their work, getting the majority of their points at Turf Moor. So it's going to be a tough place for City to go. Have you got them staying up? I think they stay up. I do. Yeah. Um, I think they're the most, especially, um, I think you see them, they're buying Sander Berger from Sheffield United. Um, but, you know, um, taking a team from another promoted side is... When you look at the three promoted teams, Burnley look the the most prepared to, to stay up. Um and yeah, I think there's a few teams from the Premier League that are going to be worried. And it's all about the fast start. And remember when Huddersfield came up and no one expected them to do anything, but I think they took 10 points from the first four games and they only ended up with like 36 or 38, but they stayed up because of the start. So, you know, teams that can start well get a big a big head start. So it, it, on paper, City should win, but it, it, there's a lot going on. I think many City fans are going to be asking as well, do you think Josco Guardiola is going to start this one or do you think it's going to be a slow process, bedding him in? I wouldn't expect him to start. Um, I think just because of the options that they've got and with it being Burnley and the things that could go wrong, I think um, you're looking at maybe he might start a Super Cup um, next week. But he does, like I say, he's done pre-season with Leipzig. He is shown he couldn't play in any in any environment so I would expect him to kind of have that Ruben Diaz impact of just kind of like dropping straight into the team and not having to to come out of it really it's a nicer transition that as well isn't it the Super Cup instead of Turf Moor yeah <laughs> yeah but it's going to be nice to see um, City back in full flow I mean do you think do you think I mean there's there's a lot of expectation at the minute um, on them having a fast start and notoriously City haven't been fast starters do you think we're going to see that this season? Do you think there's going to be some real momentum and consistency from last season or do you think it's going to stutter a little bit? It's hard to predict, isn't it? I but think it'll be a slow start. I think, yeah. And it's funny because um, I know City, they've got like a huge performance team, but they did some data into, because everyone keeps saying they have a slow start. They're actually like, right, we're going to sit down and work out, do we have slow starts and why do we have slow starts? And it, and it ended up being kind of like, well, they win eight out of ten, <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than ten out of ten in April. So that's why it's a it's a slow start. I, I think, yeah, I would expect them to drop some points in the the first five six games, um, just because, yeah, they they deliberately don't kind of overload their players early on, so that they they they're not knackered by the end of the season. Basically, it's a it's the old it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So. And and that as well kind of informed the community shield because like 
when City played Arsenal in at the Etihad, they just like bullied them. It looked like men against boys. And then you watch the Community Shield and you think, Arsenal look like a bit more physical and can match them a bit more. And then you're sort of like, yeah, but once City get up to full speed, will Arsenal still be able to, to match them? And obviously Arsenal have some way to go as well. But I think, yeah, we're not going to see the top City in top form in the in the opening weeks. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see this. But do you think it's, before we end as well, do you think it is going to be an, an Arsenal and City race again? Or do you think Man United or Liverpool are going to crop in there? It, it, yeah. There's a lot it, of chat, isn't there? Because if, if Liverpool have, have really only, in my opinion, have been the only team really who've got to that point with City. And they've also yeah. just hit, hit gear as well I feel like yeah. there's so many clubs who when they get to that stage with City just are gonna fall off Arsenal being indicative of it last season yeah well if we um, if we look at I think if Liverpool get Lavia or another midfielder you're talking Liverpool have spent enough money to win the league Arsenal have spent enough money to win the league United have spent enough money to win the league Chelsea have spent enough money to win the league so there's there's four teams there that all should put up a serious title challenge but City are still kind of the, the kings to be got at so um, it should be another interesting year whether Arsenal can maintain what they had last year and it would be more difficult for them because they were the surprise package last year and it you know now teams will know what Arsenal are about and yeah and even because I mean I always think back City are kind of like their 17-18 team is remembered as like one of the most entertaining with Sterling and Sane and and it and it was but it was also they were coming off a year where they'd not won anything and they just blew teams away and the following season every opposition team was almost like five yards further back from kickoff it was like you're not going to get us you're not going to do what you did last season to us this time so Arsenal will get that a bit more um United, I think, have signed well. They, they've strengthened key positions, so that should help them. I think Liverpool needed to transform the midfield and have done. Um, and Chelsea, who knows? But sort of <laughs> Chelsea should be kind of more... Um, more organised or just a bit more consistent with Pochettino, you would like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would kind of think there's a bit less chaos, a bit more organisation at, at, at Chelsea. So again, we'll see with fast starts. I think with City with their starts, they will just be looking to be in and around that that front pack. They won't look to lose too much ground on on anyone, but they won't be too bothered if they're not if they're not top. But it's um, yeah, like Chelsea Liverpool on the opening weekend is an instant. Let's overreact to that and see who's going to win the title based on on that. But yeah, it, it is it is really interesting again. I'm going to go with a three nil City win on Friday. I'm going to push you for a score prediction as well. I think they'll win three one. By yeah, I'm also while we're doing wild predictions, I'm going to say Liverpool are going to be City's toughest 
competitor this season. I will sit on the fence and agree with you as well. (laughs) Well, uh, it's not sitting on the fence, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think so as well. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting. Lavia would be a really top signing for them. And I think if they're able to... This experience again though, isn't it? It's like obviously Fabinho's gone, Henderson's gone. It's that whole thing we're talking about with City where it's like, you know, you get those older heads behind the scenes leaving. It's like, what sort of impact is that going to have? And it's... So Bosley obviously coming into cracking signing, but it's... You do feel that with their... I mean, you know Salah's going to score another 40 goals this season, but you feel if Gakpo and Nunes are able to click, obviously Diaz is going to be fully fit as well. It's a really... And Jot, it's a potent front five, really, isn't it? Yeah, and what we were just talking about with Arsenal, Liverpool had last season, where they'd obviously gone so close to beating City and nearly winning the quadruple. And then you've got to put that disappointment behind you and the... They really didn't, and it all fell apart a bit. Um, and they struggled all season pretty much. But they'll be coming into this season now with teams thinking they're beatable and thinking they can get at them, and they're a bit more ordinary than they were. Now, if they're if they're on it, and if Klopp's kind of rediscovered what makes them tick, then they can really take advantage of that and and push hard for the for the title. Whereas Arsenal have got to sort of put losing to City having led the Premier League for so long behind them and none of them have none of them have won the Premier League have they so they've got to sort of draw on things that they've things that they don't know um so it uh, you know Ramsdale said it was a mental block unlocked to uh, to beat City in the the community shield we'll we'll see we'll see if that helps them um you know coming from behind and then getting the win on penalties it it, it might do um, but I do think it's going to be tough for them, both in terms of opponents expecting more and still that mental, can you go again against sort of a team that's seen as a juggernaut? Mm. I'm trying to think of another sort of like category that we can discuss, maybe flop of the season. <laughs> Wait to the end of the transfer window for that one. Yeah. Um, but thanks for joining me, Simon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, guys, that's going to be it from the Talking City podcast this week. If you want to catch us out, on YouTube, you can do so if you want to see our lovely faces in our fantastic studio here. We'll be we'll be here throughout the season as well. Uh, make sure you give us a five-star rating if you would. Leave us a uh, like and comment on the video and subscribe as always. And we will catch you in the next episode. Cheers.